0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. Mm-hmm. This week, we chat with Jillian Wallace Horvat, a Los Angeles-based filmmaker, writer, and film programmer, about her new film, I Blame Society. I Blame Society is Jillian's feature film debut. Her previous projects include Kiss Kiss Finger Bang, which was awarded the jury prize in the Midnight Shorts category at the 2015 South by Southwest Film Festival, and a Vimeo staff pick. She has also produced several documentaries and is a guest columnist for Filmmaker Magazine. I Blame Society is available to watch on demand February 12th. Enjoy our conversation with Jillian. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to talk to you about your film, I Blame Society. If you could just start and introduce yourself and give our listeners a little synopsis of your film. Hi,
1: hi, listeners of A Brighter Lens. Um, My name is Jillian wallace Horvat. I'm a Writer director, and um, I made this film. I blame society. That is really hard to synopsize. So I feel like you're you guys are looking at me like you're really excited to see how I can uh, summarize it. But I just it's it's impossible for me too. I think it's 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 a weird movie about um, uh, a, a struggling filmmaker who gets a compliment from a couple of her friends that she would make a good murderer. And whereas, you know, in, in regular stances, this would be just like something kind of quirky to hear. And, you know, maybe you'd like tweet about it. She's having such a, rough time professionally and personally that it kind of helps to precipitate her on a on a journey over the edge she ends up taking everything way
0: too far I mean that was a that was a good summary of it
2: (laughs) also love the use of synopsis I'm going to use that as a verb moving forward so thank you for that gift
1: uh, <laughs> I think I stole it from AP Lit where they were like, can you synopsize crime and punishment in 50 words? <laughs> this is
2: bringing me back. This <laughs> me back. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so speaking of writing, you uh, co-wrote the skirt with Chase Williamson. What did that co-writing process look like? And how, like, where did the genesis of this idea come from?
1: Well, I was nervous about um, the co-writing process because I've never worked at the co-writer before. but. Um, because of the accelerated timeline that we wanted to put I blame society into production, I knew that taking it from treatment to script was going to have to happen really fast. And Chase is not only one of the quickest writers that I know, um, whereas I tend to get kind of bogged down in research, which is probably just a avenue for procrastination. I think he just kind of he loves to to get down and and see what a scene would look like. And I get really in my head about it because I think that, you know, before I write it, it's the best thing ever. Like it's a great idea. And then as soon as I'm looking at the blank page and starting to write it, all of the real obstacles become apparent tonight. And I just feel like I'm never going to measure up to the dream that I had of what I was writing. So I have a lot of anxiety when I write, which doesn't mean that I don't write. It just means that I make myself suffer all the time. Um, so I, I wanted to bring chase on as well because he's a real true crime expert and I didn't have that background. I, I had the background of being like, well, I think I know what this character would do like under these circumstances. And, um, you know, I have a lot of uh, real personal experience to add to it as well as, um, you know, what I bring to it in terms of um, story crafting, but, but, you know, Chase is a great writer and also um, a real aficionado. And so he brought a lot of expertise to the, especially to the, to the first act is uh, the character of Jillian begins to go on her journey of gaining more pre-murder experience that yeah real life serial killers often accumulate. He,
0: you talked about the accelerated timeline for this. When first of all when did you film it? It almost felt like something that could be filmed during this pandemic time in some ways, but when did you film it and how did you know that you needed to have an accelerated timeline?
1: Um I suppose it was a it was a self-enforced restriction. It was kind of like our our producers being like uh, do it now, get it done. Um, in, in the kindest and most supportive supportive way. You know, we I've been working with these producers before, Me um, Marie Kongsven and Laura Tunstall, who produced uh, Get Duked, Come to Daddy, nine days. They're very uh, motivated ladies and and super talented. And so uh, we, we had another script together, um, which was a lot darker than I blame society and that I'd written and that I wanted to direct. And um, we were just seeing a, a lot of the barriers to entry that were, I guess this is the right podcast to talk about it. Um, it's, you know, uh, seeing how hard the first time feature filmmaker stigma was hitting, uh, you know, a woman that they were working with rather than the men that they were working with and finding that, you um, you know, it was a lot easier for them to get uh, financiers to take a chance on men who had less experience um, and less uh, street cred. Uh, I had already made two shorts that were at South by Southwest. One of them had won a jury prize there. And, you know, the there was just a lot of Lip service that my ideas were being met with, you know. um, There it was a kind of thing where I don't know. I feel like, you know, there it was like a situation like they were like, you know, there would be passes, and then they were like, but please don't be mad at me for passing. Don't cancel me, you know. Like I. Um, it it, it was, I I feel like so much of, it's like what we show in the movie with these producers characters, where there's a lot of fear on their end in this, in this new climate working with women. And I think it just makes them actually angrier, but they can't show it, um, in these kind, it's leads to this kind of passive aggressiveness. I mean, not like I, I, you know, I get passes all the time and they're actually really constructive and there's nothing like some people are so good at passing that they actually make you feel encouraged. Like they, they make you feel really good. Um, like you're doing something right. And, you know, um, you guys just aren't a good fit, but you know, something's going to happen and they're rooting for you. That's how you do it. That's how you pass on somebody. Um, but there's, there are other times where that, um, there's something leaks into the conversation where it feels like, uh, the response is so personal that you wonder if they like even read the script in the sense that like they just projected a lot onto it um but yeah i'm getting really in the weeds about kind of the my perspective on the on the industry at that point and so when you know we were going through this kind of um a frustrating period Um, my producers and I, and I happened to tell them about um, a short documentary that I had made that I had not finished um, called I'm Murderer, where I uh, went around and uh, interviewed friends and colleagues about a compliment that I'd received that I would make a good murderer. And I would interview them in typical murder locales, like the middle of the forest or uh, the docks or, Uh, I interviewed my ex-boyfriend in uh, in an empty parking lot and from the backseat of a car. And so I made this documentary and it was, it was good, but I thought that it was, I never finished it because I just kind of, I don't know. I was really, I was really starting to doubt myself at the time. i kind of like, didn't, I had trouble showing anything that I was working on. It felt really, I felt a lot of doubt. So I showed it to them because they wanted to see it. I I was surprised that they wanted to because I didn't really sell it to them. I was like, "Oh, I'm just—it just makes me look like a fucking psycho," and and it's not that great. Uh, But they were—they really loved it, and they saw a lot in the idea and in the actually in the in the visuals that I didn't see. I think that's something about when you're on screen, you kind of again project a lot uh, about your own insecurities when you're looking at yourself uh, and whereas i'm fixated on like uh you know i look ridiculous uh they they're more like wow well, you know the the imagery of you being in the graveyard like disguised as a tourist in this crazy wig and like carrying around sound equipment like there's something really interesting there and there's a character there that is really compelling so we had the idea to take that footage and then uh, finish it as a narrative, where it starts as a story about uh, a person making a documentary about hypothetically how they would get away with the perfect murder, and she then does start killing people. So, because we used the found the, the 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 documentary footage, that also meant that. I had to continue playing myself in order for the extra textual value of the of the film to to you know be maximized. We couldn't recast. With Lily Collins was really who I wanted actually to, to play play myself. I thought she kind of had you know some of the elements of my like boniness. So, um, and she's a good actor. So I I, I wanted her, but. But no, I, they had, they, they insisted on me.
2: That's so fun to hear all these threads that you're talking about that then, you know, we see in the film, um, wondering though, can you speak a little bit more about the balance of directing and acting in the film and this being your first, um, feature film that you're directing after directing so many, you know, wonderful shorts and award-winning shorts, but how, how is all that kind of coming together?
1: it was not ideal and it was not what i wanted um i nobody wants their first feature to to be something where they are wearing so many hats and have um pulled in so many directions um mentally like in a headspace issue um and i'm not even talking about like oh multitasking i'm talking about how the uh, the, the very obvious fact is that, you know, actors have a, a different headspace that they have to be in than, than directors, meaning like they have to be a lot more emotionally vulnerable. And, uh, you know, as a director, you kind of have to uh, turn things off and like you have to be emotionally receptive in the sense of like being able to to pick up on things. But you have to basically be a block of ice yourself, uh, a manipulative block of ice and having to incarnate that in order to run a good set um, as well as to be this um, trembling mass of nerves at the same time so that you can play somebody who's having a total breakdown. Um, It did make me feel like I was having a total breakdown, but I I thought that was really good for the character and I kind of leaned into it. Uh, I kind of, I did get like kind of I felt methody, and I, and I felt like that was a good thing. Like as soon as the producers told me that they wanted me to play the actor, they wanted me to act in the film. I got a gym membership because I was like, that's what actors do. Then they get cast. They like, they work out and they, they, they get in the, that's, that's what they do. I see the pictures in the Daily Mail. They're always going to the gym. That's what they do. So I, um, so Chase and I went to the same gym and I just felt, followed him and uh i would run into him and, you know he'd hold me accountable and so that's the best body i'm ever gonna have is not that movie because i'm
0: never gonna go to the gym again i'm not i hate gyms
2: you're cracking me up this is very
0: funny we are laughing so hard you can't hear us but this is hysterical in the best way
2: <laughs> oh wow well, i love it should we end yeah. with our our lightning round yeah
0: Okay. Cool. Ooh.
2: Yay. <laughs> so we end every interview with our lightning round three, two, one action. So we'll start with um, three, your favorite or most influential film.
1: Okay. Um, I always say WR Mysteries of the Organism.
0: Two, dream person you want to work with. Honestly, Jack O'Connell. Uh, one, best advice you've received.
1: I think it was, um, I don't remember the exact words, but I um, I had a really good friend who has since passed away. And he would uh he was really helpful in telling me to get out of my head sometimes to to just chill. Um and and I think that I know it's not particularly profound, but I think that um sometimes our own anxiety really gets in our own way. And I and I don't I, I think that a lot of um, ambitious women feel reliant on their own like sense of OCD and their own sense of like holding their feet to the fire and being really self-critical in order to motivate their ambition and to not give up and to hold themselves to impossible expectations that they don't even hold like the people that they admire to, but they, uh, they force it on themselves as a form of accountability, as, as a way to not give up. And I think that I see the benefit of it and I still do it all the time, but I think that we need better tools for that. We need to also know how to motivate ourselves and support ourselves, uh, you know, to say, good job, keep going rather than, you know, you're a fuck up, do it again. (laughs) So I think that would, that's the best piece of advice that somebody gave me is get out of your own head.
0: And Action, where can people follow you on social media? And also, when and where will people be able to watch your film, I Blame Society? If you want
1: to, you can follow me on Twitter. It's my name, Jillian Horvat, with a G. Um, And uh, on Instagram, it's a little bit more complicated. It's a pun. It's um, Cinnabon File, like Cinnabon, like the best restaurant in the world. And then File, P-H-I-L-E. Uh, all one word. And then you can watch the film starting on February 12th. You can watch it anywhere that you rent movies. So iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, uh, all the platforms, it's going to be there. So check it out. Thank
0: you.
2: Awesome. awesome. Thanks. I'm still laughing. over your Instagram handle. I love
0: that. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks so much for coming on the pod, Jillian. This was really fun. Thank you. It's really great to talk to you guys. You can find us at abrighterlens.com and at abrighterlens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at abrighterlens at gmail.com. You can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review.
2: Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Welch. A Brighter Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell.